Welcome to the One Broken Cog Podcast. Join John and Brian as they share small adjustments that lead to major impacts. One Broken Cog Podcast, back again for a great episode. You know, I read some really interesting stats on feedback. 60% of employees say they want daily or weekly feedback. Seems like a lot, right? But the number increases to 72% for employees under age 30. Wow. Now, most of the time, if feedback is given, it's often not timely or immediately useful. And another crazy stat, 92% of respondents agreed with the assertion that negative feedback, if delivered appropriately, is effective in improving performance. And 80% of Gen Y employees said they prefer on-the-spot recognition over formal reviews. Very interesting. But this leads me to my guest today who launched the BackFeed Plus app that delivers an efficient, gamified experience that takes the stress out of asking for and receiving feedback. Plus, it gives you unparalleled insight in your team's dynamic and potential. And who I'm referring to is none other than Libby Robinson. Now, to give you some background on Libby, she's the managing partner of Integral, an award-winning leadership executive coaching and advisory company working with Fortune 1000 companies globally. Now, she's a former Wall Street banker, aerospace engineer, and national champion equestrian. Now, Libby has worked for 26 years with senior leaders globally, helping to bring more mindfulness, resilience, and greater capacity to brilliant and ambitious leaders. Her company, Integral, uses a multidisciplinary approach to foster deep personal change in leaders and to evoke conscious leadership cultures for their clients. Now, Libby's latest venture, of course, is the BackFeed Plus, a new app that helps individuals and organizations get better, faster feedback using a method backed by the latest neuroscience data about how individuals receive feedback with less stress. And of course, this is due to feedback being more important now than ever in the workplace. But of course, most employees aren't getting enough. Libby, it's great to have you in the show. Welcome to the One Broken Cog podcast. Thank you so much, Brian. Really great to be here. Definitely. So, man, you are a national champion equestrian. Wow. I'm impressed. <laughs> Thanks. I, I, uh, I learned a lot about leadership with horses. I guess, uh, you know, they have those uh, leadership programs where you whisper to horses, you know, you try to get to walk with them. And I, that's one of the things that I learned uh, early on in my career is uh, there's a lot to be learned from, uh, from animals. Yeah, no, for sure. Absolutely. I agree hundred percent. Sometimes we have to give into our own animal instincts sometimes, right? <laughs> you could look at it that way too. That's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. Yeah. Be one with the animal, right? I mean, we had a, somebody on that had a bear charge at them and they said, listen, I roared, charge back and the bear stopped. I mean, I guess they connected, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, you, you know, being able to use more than your conscious mind and being able to use both, you know, emotional, social, somatic intelligence, political intelligence, we, we really are, have a, are multi-systemed beings and we need to understand, you know, kind of the latest data on how to, you know, evolve as leaders. No, I agree. Now, speaking of that, I would love for you to share the details of your journey from, you know, stepping on your own and forming Integral. Sure. So Integral was formed about 16 years ago and uh, was originally me, myself, and I, but I was clear that um, I was not going to go out there and just hang a shingle out by myself. And I was fortunate enough to uh, know and create and have a community of, of coaches that had similar methodologies. And so I started recruiting people. Uh, we now have about 250 coaches, consultants, designers, facilitators worldwide. 
And I'm very proud to say that they're really the cream of the crop in terms of uh, transformational coaching and leadership development uh, professionals. So we're really proud of our tribe. That's fantastic. Kudos on, on such uh, great accolades you've received lately. Now, we're talking about feedback, right? That's the topic of the day. It's so important these days, as we know. Why is it so important? Why do you think? Well, I mean, the research that we did recently with the HR Research Institute in 2019 basically shows that if you do feedback well, if you really get your company to have a type of culture of feedback, profitability goes up 8.9%. So take, take note, CFOs, that there is a reason to, to learn how to do this well. And strangely enough, the, um, we've been doing feedback wrong for decades, so, Brian, remember, um, they used to tell you you should give feedback, you know, face-to-face and as soon as possible in the moment after whenever the incident was. Turns out that's not correct with the neuroscience. Also, do you remember the sandwich method, that kind of sneaky, like, say something good, say something maybe that's constructive or developmental or less good, and then say something good again? Guess what? Your brain's already figured that out. So, the sandwich <laughs> method does not work well either. Um, and so we, um, we started Backfeed Plus to really um, work with what does work with your brain and the neuroscience that shows what, what it's like when you can be less stressed and receive, and receive feedback. Okay, that's very interesting. So how would you recommend a manager, as an example, going into a one-on-one and that person leads with something very positive, goes into some, kind of some constructive feedback, and then gives a game plan on how to overcome it in a very positive way? According to you, that doesn't work. How would you approach that situation? Sure. So I'm not even sure that one-on-ones in the classic sense work. And if, if you were to ask most leaders how many of them do that consistently on a regular basis, that they really sit down and the, uh, the only thing that they talk about is the development of the person. My guess is that there's an espoused percentage of people that do that. And then there's the reality of, you know, especially in a remote uh, world, how often are we stopping to take the time to really be in relationship to do that well? And so I don't know, in your hypothetical situation, I would say you need to make sure that for both parties, it's a good time, not just because it's scheduled Friday at three, that we have to have that conversation right then. What happens at Friday at one, the big boss just, you know, came in and, you know, screamed and hollered about, you know, the different, you know, KPIs. So is it the right time? And so this is what we found in the research. Um, and actually, it's, it, it, it's not just our research. Um, one of the things I met Dr. Tessa West at New York University in 2018. And honestly, she was um, presenting her findings on feedback. And after I had listened to, the, to her, her session, I almost hugged her because what she was pointing to in her social science research and the neuroscience research was, in fact, what we were building Backfeed for. And so she had three main findings that I think were, um, uh, the first one's a blinding flash of the obvious, which is, it's stressful to receive feedback. So your brain, um, no matter how good you are, no matter how competent you are at your job, if somebody kind of you know, walks around the corner, you know, metaphorically now and says, hey, can I give you some feedback? Your brain automatically goes into a threat response, okay? <laughs> and, you know, it's, and, and so that's the same thing. It could be like, you know, your boss saying, hey, can I just uh, give you some feedback? You know, um, your brain automatically goes into that. So that was the first finding, which is it's stressful to, um, 
to receive feedback. The second finding that she had was it's equally stressful to give feedback, which is why most of your managers and leaders are not giving enough feedback, either positive or developmental, because they don't know what the other person's going to say. They don't know if it's the right time. They're worried about you know, uh, various, you know, concerns and compliance and things like that. And they often don't know exactly how to say it or the moment's gone, right? We've gone from one conference call to the next conference call to the next conference call. And by the time I want to say something to you, you know, you're already on to something else. So the third and final finding of her research, and it's, this has been replicated at other universities, but hers is the most recent, is that the only time it's less stressful for your brain to receive feedback is when you've proactively asked for it yourself. And that one finding is the heart and soul of what Backfeed Plus is about, which is how do you make it super easy for people to request feedback and super easy for people to respond to feedback. And so that's where you get the the tagline, better, faster feedback. So you're referring mostly to negative feedback, right? Not positive, because if it was positive, I don't think people have a problem receiving that. What you're referring to is mostly negative, right? It's actually, strangely enough, it's for either in the sense that sometimes people, have you ever said, you know, say that was a great job and people kind of push it away? Our brain is naturally wired to be looking more for dangers or something in our eye called the reticular activating system, which basically is scanning kind of constantly for any potential signs of danger. So think about the sandwich method. If I'm used to getting the sandwich method and you say to me, gosh, that was a great story, you know, and I'm going, okay, what is he going to say next? Right? My brain is already predisposed to be looking for what you're going to tell me that's wrong. So even though, yes, positive feedback and we want to say great job and all that sort of thing is good. We still, our brain is predisposed to be worrying about what's the next thing that you're going to say. So that's why when you proactively ask for it, it's like, if I trust you and I know that um, you're someone who's got my back, who I respect your opinion, uh, you're a straight shooter and you, you really want to see me develop, I'm much more likely to be able to hear both constructive and positive feedback and really be able to take it in. Most people haven't learned how to be able to be centered enough to take it in. Yeah, that could be, you know, I know that leadership comes down to relationships and, you know, if you do have those regular meetings, you know, those once a week meetings or team meetings, one-on-ones, and you get to know that person and the person gets to know the manager, you know, obviously maybe the feedback is more well-received because you know, that person's heart where they're coming from, you know, that person has your back. They're trying to elevate you. Obviously constructive feedback is meant to help you, not to hinder you. And of course, in a one-on-one, it's not just about feedback, right? There's other things that are discussed. You're able to open the communication lines, provide any type of assistance, go over current events, you know, whatever, you know, ideas that that person has and stuff like that. So do you agree with that stat? 92% of respondents that agreed with the assertion that negative feedback, if delivered appropriately is effective at improving performance. I, I believe that, that that's the, the data. And one of the things that I will say to you is that in, uh, in Backfeed, one of the things is that we're able to essentially, we think about four criteria of feedback that make it really helpful. And the first one is timeliness. So does it come within, now each culture, each organization will have a different sense of timeliness, but let's just say it comes within say 48 hours as a general average rule. It's not a week later, it's not two weeks later. 
um, but you know, within 48 hours, so time, that it's timely, that it's accurate, meaning that it has some sort of evidence-based. Um, so I, when I saw you speaking to John or giving that presentation to XYZ company, I noticed this and the impact it had on me was why, you know, whatever. So timely, is it accurate? Is it useful? So does it give me something to do going forward? Like here's a potential thing you might do instead of that, or you might want to practice. So it's not just leaving me with, hey, I didn't like your presentation, but it actually gives me something to improve upon, a very specific thing. And the, the final criteria for us is, so you're talking about this in terms of constructive feedback, is that does it demonstrate care? Does it demonstrate empathy? If it doesn't, it's unlikely to have the effect um, but if you have these four kind of criteria in your feedback, in whatever way you manifest and say, language your own, your own constructive feedback, if you have those uh, criteria and the, the fourth one, especially empathy, um, it makes a huge difference. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's for sure. Why do you think today, Libby, that organizational transformation fails and why the feedback and the way we give it and how often we give it has been failing organizations lately? Uh, well, I think a couple of things. Um, I think large organizations um, too often rely on things like their whole performance management structure or 360-degree feedback um, to, to take the place of real conversation. They, you know, 360s have been around since I don't know, the 1980s and um, quite frankly are bad data. I mean, if you um, talk to Marcus Buckingham, he's written uh, multiple articles for the Harvard Business Review, basically saying, look guys, you know, this is just fuzzy data. It's anonymous data just only, you know, brings our threat and response up. Um, there's so many, I could give you a list of 12 different reasons why you should blow up your 360 uh, degree feedback. And then the second one I think is just that we've gotten to such the speed pace that um, we think that performance management, and again, the state of performance management in 2019 basically showed that 12% of, of CXOs think performance management is a waste of time. So we've, we've gone and created these monolithic structures when what we need to be doing is creating relationship. At Integral, we say one of our fundamental principles is relationship precedes results. And so if you think about that, any success you've had personally or professionally, if you look at how, what that success is based on, it is almost always based on key relationships that you've created in order to make, create those results. So I think one of the failures is that we too often look at these shiny objects of going, okay, we're going to get, you know, Workday and we're going to do, you know, Glint and we're going to do something else. And some of those things are great and they are, uh, you know, digital transformations and they can be good, but we are substituting that. We're outsourcing the humanity of leadership into processes. And um, I do think that's a big mistake. Backfeed Plus is like a nudge. It's like trying to say to you like, hey, here's a quick way to do this, but it's, it's also getting you to then be in better and different and deeper conversations. Now, I know you mentioned something to me offline that was very interesting, the fact that the brain is equally stressed to give feedback as well. You, you know, you think about receiving it, maybe you're difficult like we talked about, but even giving it is somewhat stressful. 
And that's the reason why managers don't provide enough of it, right? Maybe you can expand that. Why do you think that is? Why is it so stressful to give feedback? Well, think about it. You know, it's for some people that are maybe, you know, blunt and straightforward and they don't really notice, you know, you know, when's the right time or, you know, is this a good moment for, you know, Susie to receive this? They just can kind of come in like a, you know, bull in a china shop. And what we... But for most of us who are trying to be sensitive to our employees or our subcontractors or our partners, you know, we have a need and often people are, you know, we have a need for their performance to get better because it impacts us for some reason or our bottom line or something like that. And so being able to have those conversations in a way that let's just say is optimum is stressful to prepare that, you know, knowing that I'm going to have to say to someone you know, hey, you know, Molly, I've noticed that the last three meetings, you know, people didn't show up because the Zoom code wasn't in their calendar invite. And this is so important to our marketing efforts, you know, whatever it is. And so I think people are sensitive. They don't want to do it wrong. Um, They're also afraid, you know, people's uh, response when they're upset in a threat response is fight, flight, or, you know, freeze, kind of the... And so what are you going to get? Are you going to get somebody who's then defensive? Are you, is it going to escalate? And, and that's what I think holds people back from it's distressing for ourselves. So we have something in our brain called mirror neurons. And mirror neurons are if you watch, you know, a horror movie or you watch, you know, a, you know, a, a movie where there's a puppy being beaten there's part of our brain that reacts to it, even though we know logically, you know, in our conscious mind that it's a story, you know, or a movie. So in our conscious minds, we react to something like a story or a movie, but inside our mirror neurons are taking that in as if it's real. So part of the apprehension of leaders is what, you know, it's almost like the, the horror movie running in their mind before it actually happens. So what happens if they yell at me? What happens if they cry? What happens if they, you know, escalate? Um, <laughs> so that's why I'd say it's harder. So, it's just, uh, Man, it's, and it, it's so ridiculous though to me. I mean, to me, this is just masking the fact these are weak people and they shouldn't be managers to begin with, right? I mean, if you can't, if you're worried about someone being defensive, to, uh, giving constructive criticism and feedback, you're in the wrong position. I mean, that should really separate the people that should be there and shouldn't, right? Possibly, they might have other skills that they're better at as leaders. It might, but I would say that most everyone who's ever tried to give feedback and uh, got you know a whole bunch of defensive stuff, and it kind of got worse instead of getting better. Um, you know, it's like the old old thing, and you know, if a bear bit you in the woods, you don't have to have the bear in the woods again to be, you know be afraid about going back into you know the woods a second time. So. I, I wouldn't necessarily call it weak. I would call it lack of practice. And that's one of the things I think um, that we need to give leaders and managers the real data, the real neuroscience on how this can make, how this can be easier for you. And technology can help that. So one of the things that the, the neuroscience says is that actually synchronous one-on-one conversations for this kind of, for constructive feedback might not be the, the optimal, what might be more optimal is in fact an asynchronous way of requesting and receiving feedback. Meaning when my brain, when I'm settled, let's just say I've had a, a whole day of 
um, conference calls, which happens on a regular basis. And uh, someone has given me uh, feedback about a meeting I did yesterday. I might not want to see it as soon as it comes in, right? I might want to wait, you know, I, I get the end of my day and tomorrow morning when I'm fresh, I'm going to be able to look at that and take it in than if I, I look at it at the end of the day. So when I'm kind of, you know, do I really need to hear one more thing today, right? And the same way, if I walk into your office and you're my boss, Brian, and I say, Brian, I really want you to tell me, you know, exactly five things I should be doing different in my job right now. It's like, well, I need a little bit of time to think about that maybe. You know, if you're not an extrovert, and especially if you're an introvert, you might need some time to process that. So the same thing is giving the person who's providing the feedback the opportunity and the time to reflect and be concise. So those are my thoughts. That's great. It's great. Now, one thing is if you look at it, like obviously people are averse sometimes to receiving and they're stressed when they hear the feedback, yet the stat shows Gen Y, 76% want more of it. Obviously that contradicts itself. Is that because people are just giving it in the wrong way? Meaning that, hey, we want feedback, but we want it done properly. And if it's not done properly, obviously it's stressful and it's, it's aggravating to us. I think uh, some of the research has suggested that what the younger generation is craving is attention. And oh, that goes right. back to my principle around relationship precedes results. I need to know that you care. And if I know that you care, I'm going to, I'm going to have more you know, disposable energy and time for you than if, uh, if I just think, you know, I'm just a hourly worker and you don't care as long as I, you know, do 76,000 widgets an hour. Right. So, um, I think it really depends. I, I, I notice in the younger, uh, leaders that I coach that, um, what they want is acknowledgement. They do want to learn and you can give them a li- little bit of learning and then there's a lot they can learn on their own. So, uh, really having that sense of having someone's back. So I would say, um, you know, there's this old um, adage uh, I heard from a friend of mine, Craig Miller, who said, um, it's, it says, the CFO says to the CEO, uh, we're spending all this, you know, money on training and learning and development, you know, and then, you know, what if they leave? And the CEO says to the CFO, what if we don't train them and they stay? <laughs> Right. Exactly. So right. So there's this kind of double-edged sword. And I think so younger generations are used to more immediacy. And this, again, being able to do something that's quick, asking for backfeed takes less than 30 seconds. Um, responding to backfeed takes the maximum of a minute. And if you're able to start to begin to use that, and it, the app itself also uses kind of a, a network effect. So you have a tribe of people, I have a tribe of people, they ask other people and so on and so on. So that little by little, you start developing a culture of feedback where it is easier. Again, the brain has a, you know, is kind of what they call neural plasticity, right? right? The more you do something, the more you practice it. We can't expect that training, I'm going to learn how to do this, you know, model or theory of leadership, and then I'm just going to be perfect at it. No, we have to practice. So the same is true. We want to blow up the 360s, to some extent, blow up the old style nine box performance management or forced ranking performance management and create cultures where better conversations are had. People understand 
you know, the need for self-awareness and resilience. Um, and then also, you know, master these critical skills of being able to give and to receive feedback. For sure. Do you think some of this comes down to a lack of clear goals? You know, as an example, if a salesperson has a quota and you can track that person's performance to quota, and of course, if they receive it or exceed it, you're going to give great feedback, you're going to get a bonus, an award, whatnot. But not having any clear goals, obviously, there's no feedback because there's really nothing to shoot for. What do you think? I think clear goals are essential. I think what's what's important is that the people who receive these goals or that there's some um, collaboration on the goals and that they understand how they fit into the larger system. You know, you talk about broken cog and, you know, and, and not to criticize the name of your podcast, but I think if anything, we should be moving from a mechanistic view of organizations to one of a more of a living system, you know, where it breathes, where it, it isn't, you know, straight line forecasts, where there is rest, where there is, um, you know, both, you know, acknowledgement and nurturing. I think, yes, you need clear goals, but you also need this, uh, I think now, especially with the younger generations, you need this type of partnership to go, you know, here's where we're going and why, and here's how you fit in this, and here's, you know, how I'm going to help you succeed. And it isn't like it's all on the leader, but what you want to do is create, if you will, the, the neurobiological prep <laughs> Um, for an individual in your team to succeed. And if you understand the sort of secret Jedi night tricks of leadership, which, which have to do with energy and attention, managing your own energy and attention as a leader, and then helping to manage the energy and attention of others, you know, then you start working at a different level than a kind of mechanistic model. So clear goals, absolutely. But also the why behind it, the these, you know, the millennials, the Gen Ys, the Gen Zs, and whatever the heck goes after the Gen Zs, they are looking for meaning and purpose in what they do, not just a paycheck. Sure. And of course, the cog is a metaphor. I mean, it could be, of a, yeah, it could be a, a person, it could be a process, it could be a system, it could be anything. So yeah, you're right. It's a balance of systematic approach with that human element, which I'm a big proponent of. Uh, and Absolutely. that's, of course, our leadership style here. Now, as far as the app goes, I love it. What about employees who want to give feedback on or about employers or their management. Is that part of this or is it mainly for management to share feedback or elicit feedback from employees? Great. So it's, it's not either one of those. So um, it's, it's actually really um, meant for individuals to proactively request feedback from others that they trust. And obviously we, su we suggest that you have honest brokers. You don't, you know, don't invite your mom, you know, but invite, you know, people that you work with regularly. Um, and so this is really focused on the individual development. However, at the pro and enterprise levels, we can, we can white label, customize and white label the, um, the app so that at the enterprise wide level data, you can start to see what are people requesting? What are people asking about? You know, are we seeing timeliness have a lower score than say accuracy or empathy? Is empathy really low? Do we need to look at that as a culture? So this app is meant to, one of the great things is that it's, it, it's you can, the basic app is free. You can get it anywhere you get your apps. But the enterprise-wide level 
You can customize the questions to fit your culture of the organization. You, um, people can give audio and video feedback. So it's not just this written stuff or I'm a 3.2 on managing ambiguity. So it has a lot of nuance. It's not so much about at a system-wide level, like you might think of an engagement survey uh, for that. It's more meant for individual development and to work with the neuroscience to create a culture of feedback. Great. I love that. Now, a couple of quick questions before we wrap up here. Uh, You had mentioned to me a while ago an app called BetterUp, and it's out there to scale coaching, and you have a very uh, adamant opinion on that. (laughs) Yes, I did. uh, I have to fess up. So BetterUp is exactly that. It's essentially the commoditization of coaching. And so think about this for large organizations where, you know, maybe they have to you know, uh, support uh, the the high potential leaders. There's 250 high potential leaders around the world and they're all supposed to get this leadership development program and some coaching. And how do you source, you know, coaches in 14 different languages and make sure they're all, you know, good. And so BetterUp is kind of this shiny object that says, you know, here, you can, you know, you can pick any of these coaches from all these different styles. It's kind of like a smorgasbord of coaching. And then if you want what we would call spot coaching, you just pick a time and it'll be a different coach every time. And my concern, I think the technology is great. My concern is the quality of the coaching. You're taking something coaching, which is fundamentally, I'm going to say a kind of an intimate process. It's not advice giving, it's not counseling, it's not therapy, it's not mentoring, it's coaching. It's a different thing. And so um, I say to your listeners out there, buyer beware. It looks great. It's totally slick. One of their videos at the end of the video says, and there's your coach to be able to give you the advice you need when you need it. It's like coaching doesn't give advice. So I would just say they're in praise of the deeper, slower path to transformation. And when I say slower, it doesn't have to be, you know, years. But the really fundamental skills of leadership around energy and attention and mindfulness and resilience are not found through getting a different coach each time. So I just, I just say buyer beware. That's good. Well, you know, we're all about calling out bad actors on this show. So you've been fully indoctrinated into the one broken cog mindset by doing that. So appreciate <laughs> that. Now, last thing, you talked to me also about the cycle of the promise, the fact that it helps mm. alignment. We'd love to expand on that a little bit. Absolutely. So this is a, is a simple model that almost when you see it, and I, I won't go into all of it, but when you see it, you'll think, well, you know, I do that all the time. But um, the cycle of the promises is teaching leaders, and it doesn't have to be leaders, it can be individual contributors as well, to get really clear about what am I promising and what's the request, what are the con- what we call the conditions of satisfaction. Like, you know, you say to me, hey, I want you to get that report to me by Friday. And I go, okay, yes, sir, boss. And I just kind of, you know, salute because I can't say no. And it's to get people in a place where they can ask better questions. Like, okay, so what do I think he really wants in that report? Do I know for sure? Do I know why he needs it? Do, how much detail is in that? Now, once you start indoctrinating people into learning about how to use the cycle of the promise, what happens is efficiency gets better. 
there, there starts to be what's called a background of shared obviousness. And it, um, it takes probably about 45 minutes to an hour to learn. And then it takes, you know, probably a few, you know, six or seven times to practice it. It's, it's um, essentially, we are all customers um, or performers. So if I said to you, Brian, would you stand up now? And assuming you said, assuming you stood up and we don't have the, you know, the video to prove that you are a performer of, of, of a request of mine. So getting really clear about what a promise is. And if you can start to build a team that always delivers on its promises, or if it's not able to deliver on its promises, is the first one to raise their hand and say, I need help without it being, oh my God, it's a weak thing. Oh, you know, here it comes again. If you start to create the muscle in leadership teams to be able to understand the currency of a promise, then you start to get high-performing teams. So we've used this over and over again in high-performing team after high-performing team to really um, accelerate growth, accelerate projects, you know, global projects. And so I think this is something, you know, uh, that people should, you know, your listeners can, uh, they can look up. Um, I learned this technique from the Institute of Generative Leadership. So a little shout out uh, out there to them. And uh, it's, it's simple yet effective. So every, think about this, in a cycle of a promise, have you ever, Brian, you know, I don't know how, when was the last time you actually had an employer, but um, where you've worked really hard on something and they needed it right away and you sent it off in an email with the attachment with all the work that you did and then you don't hear anything for days? And you're like, oh my God, is it bad? Did they get it? Is it all right? The simple act of being able to say, I've got it. Thank you. You know, or, uh, and, and so often we don't complete the cycle of the promise. Like, thank you. That was really helpful. You know, going. And so we just keep going. And so in the absence of data, our mind makes things up. So when you don't practice gratitude when you don't as is a simple thing say thank you to your team that have that has done something um, that you've asked them to do if you don't use that muscle of leadership enough what happens is people don't think that you're grateful people don't think it matters what they do people don't think that it matters that they deliver it on time so learning how to have these the technology of leadership conversations and the cycle of the promise is one of them, is, is are fantastic tools and they can make such a difference in such a short amount of time. Definitely. You know how I say thank you to the employees? How? I give them a paycheck. No, I'm kidding. That's a joke. <laughs> you have great advice. I love it. Then the cycle of promise, I definitely am a proponent of it. Anything you want to share, any last thoughts or words of wisdom about Integral, about the Backfeed Plus app before we wrap up? Well, um, a couple things. I'll make your uh, listeners an offer, um, which is between now and the end of this year, so December 2020, uh, I am happy to offer um, two months free to the pro level, which does give you the enterprise-wide analytics for up to 20 licenses. So if there are listeners out there that maybe have a team they want to you know, test it out with like, what is this whole feedback thing? Is it really better? You know, are, you know, can, what's this neuroscience stuff? please go ahead and reach out to us and happy to um, help you with that. And I would say in the, in the breakneck speed to digital transformation, um, I would beware of snackifying 
uh, leadership. And what I mean by that is so much is going online. So much content is being thrown at us about leadership or, you know, uh, other things. Be careful that you don't just get into that uh, monkey mind of going from thing to thing to thing to thing. Some elements of leadership, you need to be able to take time, bring people together when that's possible again, allow these relationships to to ferment and, and uh, uh, you know, get to know. So the, the, the fundamentals around relationship preceding results are essential. So Backfeed Plus is one small piece of technology that's meant to open much larger conversations. And then I'd say, um, for those of you that are looking uh, to save on your budgets, you know, destroy your 360s, throw them away <laughs> for next year, use Backfeed, or there's some other things that you can do uh, that I'm happy to discuss with you. But um, uh, get rid of that and really look at if you, is your performance management system really working? And are you using, trying to make it do everything? Are you trying to make it do development and performance? Or are you try, or you know, you're trying to make it be something that it isn't really? Think about what forced rankings do and think about what nine boxes do when people find out that they're, you know, they're only in the middle box, you know. I think those are my words of wisdom. It's awesome. No, it's great. And I love the app. And I know that more feedback leads to better productivity, uh, better results, better team synergy. Even more profitability. So don't forget yeah, about it. More profitability, lower churn. It's just fantastic. It's great. So Libby, one last question. It's a personal question. We always end the show with this. You're on an island for the rest of your life. You can only bring one book, one movie, and one album. What would they be? Hmm. Uh, one, one book, uh, would be a book of poetry by Rumi. One album. Oh, almost anything by the Beatles. Um, okay. (laughs) And, uh, what was the other one? Book, album, and? Movie. Movie. Um, it's a wonderful life. All right. Nice. (laughs) Libby, it's been great. How do we get in touch with you, connect with you, learn more about Integral and the Backfeed Plus app? Excellent. Thank you for asking. So uh, Integral is www.integralcoaches.com. And uh, the Backfeed app has its own separate universe, which is www.backfeedapp.com. Awesome, Libby. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for joining. I've learned a lot. I've had a fun time. And uh Let's stay in touch and continue the good work. Um, Pleasure's all mine, Brian. Thank you so much for your time. Anytime. Thank you for spending time with us today. We encourage you to join the many businesses that we have helped to achieve their objectives, align their departments, and increase their revenue. You can start by reaching out to us at results at onebrokencog.com. Together, we will make small adjustments that will lead to major impacts to your business, your culture, and your bottom line. 